Get the scoop on Tigers today. Tigers SRD on But all right. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, welcome back to Tigers SRD. We are very pleased and grateful to bring in Kylie McDaniel, the uh, baseball insider from ESPN. I believe that's your official title there. Or? Yeah. They like the word insider, but it's ESPN plus and not ESPN insider. So it, it oh, kind of threw me off. I got corrected the first week when I called it ESPN insider. Like it's not called that anymore. <laughs> and of course, formerly of, of Fangraphs, and before that, the Braves, I think, and even before that, maybe Scout.com. I think I interacted you with you way back in the day at Scout.com. Yep. And the Orioles, but, and the Titans, uh, and the Yankees. Yeah, that's the full, oh. the full resume. You got it. <laughs> well, there you go. Awesome. So, yeah, uh, it's obviously that the MLB draft is coming up here uh, this weekend, and I know you're super busy. So, we were going to get right into some questions about the Detroit Tigers and uh, where you see them going in the draft. So, I, I guess we'll start with that. Uh, if you had to pick right now, who do you think the Tigers are going to take there with the number three pick? I got my sheet open over here, so I'm going to see what it was. I was I was not doing like a name drop, but I was just talking to some agents today, and every time you finish a call, you got to write down, like, these are the big takeaways. I started shuffling names around again, which that's the problem in this draft is there's a – everyone agrees that there's like six guys that are kind of the same, and you could say as many as eight guys. We want to include Rocker and Job in that group, uh, and you put them in any order, nobody's better than anybody else. And I think everyone agrees, even if you have a like, strong opinion, this guy's the best. You're like, well, what if the second guy on your list is $2 million less? Then it's like, all right, then I'd take that guy. Where's the problem? The teams haven't asked for a number. The agents haven't given it to them yet. And in most cases, I think almost every guy in that top six or eight, the family hasn't told the agent what the number is yet. So like nobody has enough information to actually have a decision, which is why all the mocks are sort of like, we'll say it's Meyer first, but we don't know because literally nobody knows. <laughs> so well, if I project at three, I'm going to say, all right, Meyer is the most likely option at one, but by no means a done deal. I would say it's either Khalil Watson or Jack Leiter at two. And then that would mean lighter Job or House at three. And I think I would project House at three. But I don't know. I'd say Myers maybe a little over 50% at one. And then I'm basically coin flip at two. And then it's like maybe a three-way tie at three. And then it gets even worse after that. So so this is Wednesday at 6 Eastern p.m. So if somebody... Somebody wants to, you know, put this next to my Friday mock. It might be completely different. That's that's how quickly this is moving. Yeah, that's kind of wild. Is that normal for this close to the draft where you think, no, so totally. what do you think? Well, so at least the first pick. So if you go back the last couple of years, obviously Torkelson and Mize were two of the most recent picks. Rutschman, uh, I don't remember further than that because, you know. This- yeah, so <laughs> – well, it, it does kind of remind me. It was a 2017 draft. Where it was was it Royce Lewis who went first overall? Yeah, and it was, was kind of a group I was like that. at that point. I was with the Braves. We took uh, Kyle Wright, and I know we didn't know who was going first until late. I don't know when the media figured it out. Um, but yeah, that one came down to the wire. It was a bunch of guys that were pretty similar. Prices became an issue, et cetera, et cetera. Those three last three drafts, the Rutschman, Mize, Torkelson ones, it was like probably 90 percent chance it was going to be those guys like three months in advance, maybe more. Uh, and this one is like obviously like no one's. If someone's like Meyer might be a little over 50%, but like no one's to 75% probably until day of, like maybe even then it won't even be 75% at one and it won't even be close to even 50% on two. Uh, So yeah, this is like unique, maybe the most, the most toss up top five we've had in like recent memory. 
And so I think the, the general consensus around here is that people assume the Tigers would, would jump at the chance to get Meyer if he's there. Yes. But, That's one of the few things I'm pretty certain about, that if he's at three, they probably take him. But the odds of him getting to three seem pretty low at this point. Yeah. So He's a factor so then, one and two. So, yeah, that means yeah. it's pretty low odds he gets to three. And so most of the mocks we, you see when you look around, it's either Jackson Job or Brady House. It seems to be trending toward Brady House now. Uh, and I remember a couple months ago you did a really great article uh, about going to see Brady House against uh, Dylan Lesko. And yeah. that's, uh, you know, it's behind the paywall, so I don't know how much you want to reveal about that now. Uh, I mean, I got the video of every pitchy face, yeah. so, like, you can follow along <laughs> if you really want to. You kind of, like, oh, he didn't swing, and then he swung and hit it hard. Like, that seems yeah. good. Like, that's kind of what happened. <laughs> yeah, so um, – yeah, I mean, I guess what would the Tigers be getting there in, in Brady House at three if they took him? So the way I've been explaining, like, I, I have become very self-conscious of I keep describing these players the same way until I realize no one human has heard two of these explanations because it's like, oh, it's like Albany radio and then San Diego radio yeah. four minutes later. It's like no one's listening to both of these. Uh, but it also helps me get down, like, my pattern. So for me, Brady House is the highest upside player in the draft. His closest comp, if we're going to include players currently in the minor leagues, is Bobby Witt Jr. Um, so obviously, like, you know, you guys would be familiar with him. I think most people watching this would probably be familiar with Bobby Witt. The difference, the main difference is Bobby Witt had a cleaner mechanical swing and is a plus defensive shortstop, whereas Brady House has some mechanical stuff to work out and is probably more of an average defensive shortstop. But other than that, they're basically the same guy. Like the exit velos, the power, the upside, the athleticism, like – all that stuff. And then basically like a concern on how much contact they'll make. And then obviously uniquely in houses situation, it's like, well, his hands, instead of being like here ish, get here ish at times. So he's then swinging like down into the zone. And you, you know, if you want to lift the ball, like say Trevor story, another guy that, you know, wit and house have been compared to, you know, kind of has it around here. So he can kind of, you know, scoop and lift. So not to go all Tom Amansky on you, but that's <laughs> the only, I, I would say ability at shortstop and the swing mechanic is the only real difference between house and wit. So if you're into wit, you're probably going to like house. All right. And, and uh, you know, that's great. And, and if, if it happens to be Job, uh, what would the Tigers be getting there? So, Again, I got the pattern down. Uh, <laughs> highest upside pitcher in the draft. Depending on who you ask, the highest, uh, the best high school pitching prospect in years, maybe going back to Hunter Green, like that kind of, like the Green-Gore group, I think there's a compelling case that he's the best high school pitching prospect since that group. Um, and you'll talk to both eyeball scouts and the sort of draft analyst guys that live in the spreadsheets and they pretty much both agree the lowest grade you can get one of his three pitches is a 60. And there are people that put seventies on all three of them. And part of you would then say, cause we had, we had a zoom where we got together with all of our you know draft analysts. Some of these guys, you know, like Kyle Peterson and Chris Burke, they do most of the college guys. So I'm sort of explaining like the background and they have some familiarity with the high school guys, but not all of them. And they were like, well, how do we know this isn't like a, a Riley Pine? Cause like that was sort of the report on Riley Pine is like six, five Supreme athlete, but like everything sixes and sevens all over the place. And he just retired. So, like, you know, he stands in for a lot of Colt Griffin, you know, whoever your guy is, the your Brian Taylor guy that busts out. Why is Job not that guy? Because this is a risky demographic for a number of reasons, mostly because of injury, but also just, like, crazy stuff happens. Um, if you could then say, all right, you start with three sevens, what do you want to make sure you're not in that bust territory? I would say has it between the ears, professional athletes in the family, plus athletes, multiple sports, uh, prospect as a position player and also like shows some ability to throw strikes now and also sort of has the markers to project command to improve. Well, he has all those. His dad's like a PGA golfer. 
multiple sport guy. He's like a, a, I think he's third, fourth rounder probably as a shortstop, so, you know, non-factor, but is good. And all those things I just mentioned, those are all there. And the only real concern, which I think even isn't really a concern for some people, is he's like 6'1", 6'2", like 180, like kind of medium frame, maybe even on the smaller side for a pitcher. I think these days, like most teams, especially the progressive teams, would prefer a more compact uh, frame as long as you're sort of strong enough and have enough stamina to hold up. Uh, because the six five six six long levers, like all over the place, command issues, I think is almost seen as a negative now. And you look at you know Walker Bueller and some of these other guys that are like at ace level. Like there's probably more six one six two, maybe six three, than there is like six 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 seven. Which again is going back to that sort of you know Archie Bradley, uh, Riley Pint, like that sort of school of things that I think some people are turning away from. So if you have the stones to take a high school right hander that's up to ninety nine. This is kind of the way you draw it up to be able to take it. Some teams, and they'll say this to me off the record, like we absolutely will not take a high school righty in the first 30 picks. We don't care if it's like Superman throwing 140 miles an hour. We're not taking him. So if you're going to take one, this is the one you take. And, you know, you talk about types, and the Tigers definitely, you mentioned this in your article, the Tigers always have had a type. The SEC comes to mind. Big 12 country because, of you know, David Chad being assistant general manager, always scouting the Great Plains. Go back for a while, and and even when David Dombrowski was the GM, talk about the six five, ready to go trade prospect or trade chip to get more for the team. Do the Tigers last year? They didn't do that. The Tigers kind of got away from going to the SEC. I mean, granted, it was less rounds, but do they go back to the well again and go back to that kind of familiarity pattern that we've seen? I mean, they uh, Andre Lipsius wasn't from T- University of Tennessee. There's some guys in Tennessee right now that the Tigers could draft in the mid rounds that would be you know, uh, double, possibly even double A ready. I would expect them to continue to over-index in power arms and SEC guys. Uh, I would say this is, you know, the discussion of like, oh, what if the Tigers take um, Joe and then presumably can get at least a little under slot? I mean, I wouldn't say way under, but probably a little under. Uh, who do they spend the money on? And I mentioned that in the mailbag yesterday, it might be what you're referring to, where it's like, yeah, yeah, there's been like rumors every year, like in the Mize year, the Torkelson year, like not loud, but people asking like, hey, what if they go cut right here? Who do they take? And it's just like, this has been the same kind of group, same kind of thinking for a while. And they've never done that before with a high pick. And then you take Riley Green, just like play it straight, like Manning kind of played it straight. Like they would have done this once if they were going to do that. And I think that also goes for the SEC and the power arms. It's like, oh, what if they, you know, swerve and try something different? It's like, I'll wait until they actually try something different before I project them to try something different. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and so you've got a, a pair of sec power arms there in the top 10, generally speaking. Uh, and, and I think a lot of people like Jack Leiter in the top three or four, but there are all those rumors about him really wanting to get to Boston at four and maybe even telling teams not to draft him. Like what do you, what do you do as a team? If a player tells you that, it's tricky. I'm not sure that's happening. I'm not sure it's not happening. I mean, at some point, I don't think the lighter camp has such a strong feeling about, um, you know, how they'd be developed or where they'd play that they actually will take less money to get to a lower pick or that maybe Boston's offering way above slot. Like, I mean, he wasn't really engaging with the idea of turning pro out of high school anyway. Uh, and that was sort of the rumor. Um, so I would think if somebody wants to take him first and cut him a little under slot, I would imagine he'd probably play ball there. I don't, I don't think he really cares enough to do that sort of thing, but you know, it's a juicy rumor. Northeast guy, dad played in New York market, like wants to be in Boston for some reason. Like <laughs> you, you think that was like, he wants to do that for the Yankees at four overall. I'd be yeah. like, sure, maybe, yeah, they draft him out of high school. Like that makes sense. But 
you know, not sure Boston is, but but also I would say it perfectly fits Boston, where it's like, well, all things being equal, if there's a bunch of similar guys, the quick-moving college guy, especially pitcher, would be the kind of guy they'd want. And if you're lighter and all things equal, you're getting the same money from everybody, which team in the top ten would you want to play for? A historically good team with a bunch of money that will put me in the big leagues and I'll be on a good team right away. Like, yeah, he'd probably prefer that, too. It's probably not all things being equal. Um, but, you know, going back to this as like a hypothetical, um, essentially what would be happening, and I've talked to agents like in the last couple of days where this sort of thing is happening, you can probably guess the teams I'm talking about where like a team that is typically not seen as a well-run team or good player development wants or is interested in a player. And the agent is like, well, using broad numbers, let's say, I think I'm going to get 5 million, but this guy, this team, we don't like picking high might offer five and a half. I'm going to tell him I want seven because I don't want to go there, but for like a million and a half, we'll go there. Uh, that's essentially what it is. And, it, and it's sort of like, they know I'm signable for five and a half at that pick. So they could just take me, and if they offered me five and a half, I take it. I don't want to, so I'll be as difficult as I can. I'm not going to send in my MRI. I'm not going to go for a meeting. Like, I'm not going to do all these things. If you're a college prospect, they probably knew you had a high school and liked you then, so they might not need that. But you're essentially trying to give them every reason you can. Like in the NBA, I'm not going to give you a private workout. Similar things happen in baseball. I know examples in past years where guys will send out their data to, like, five teams, but only the teams they want to go to that they know are willing to pay a certain price, not the other teams that won't. Um, so there's, there's ways to influence it, but if like you're a clearly signable player that should go 15th and you're trying to get to 30th, you need 15 teams that like you and know you're signable to pass on you, you can't really make them all pass on you. You can try, but if they know you're signable and they all think you're of similar quality and they think you're 15th on their board and they're sitting at 25 and you're the best guy by 10 spots, they're just going to take you. And so there is actually an incentive for high school players to seem unsignable from the jump in case they want to try this. Because you can always tell somebody, I'm going to sign for slot. You can always revert back to, I'm signable, and people will believe you. But if you say, I'm unsignable, and everyone knows you are, they're going to ignore it completely. Whereas like with Daz Cameron, it's like, oh, my dad's rich, we'll turn down money. People totally bought that. Mm-hmm. Like he can, he can say an hour before the draft, I'm not signing, and people will totally buy it. And there are instances like Garrett Cole at high school. Dad was wealthy. They said he wasn't that signable. It turns out he was not that signable. Yeah. No, I remember that. That was that was a big one. Um, no, I, I've kind of uh, more rumors. I've heard that Judd Fabian is actually asking for a lot more money than you might think, given where he's probably going to go. And I do wonder, I mean, he he's pretty young for a college guy. He might have the leverage to just go back. But I do wonder if that's him trying to get down – you know, if he's got an overslot deal somewhere in like the late twenties or thirties, and him trying to get down there. Yeah, he's got a couple different things going on. So, a tons of swing and miss. So some teams are just totally out at any number. Uh, so he's already working with a smaller sort of audience of teams that would be willing to do that. He's also super young for the class, which people talk about it with high school hitters. It's actually just as important for college hitters. So, a that means that the strikeouts aren't as important to heavy numbers teams. They'll round down because he's I think twenty point six. And, like, the average college player is, like, 21.3, something like that. So it's basically, like, six months younger than everybody else. Um, and if he thinks he – like, he had expectations coming off the Cape. Uh, you know, I don't have this direct, but that's my understanding. It's like he'd go in the top 10. And so maybe it's like, I want top 10 money, maybe top 12 or 13 money, or, you know, whatever the expectation is, it's a little higher than where he is right now. And there's a threat to go back to school, still be on the young side or acceptable age side and produce more and then just go higher. Now, the other two factors, I've talked to some agents who have guys that might want to go back to college as 22-year-olds next year. This year, you have the installment plan, 100K this year, and then half and half over the next three years. Next year, you don't have that. Also, you have a much better draft next year. So I think those two basically cancel out. Uh, But yeah, Fabian can be like 21.6, put up a good season and go 10th overall and get slot as a 22-year-old. 
that's better. I don't think that's particularly likely. So I think he is posturing to say, this is the amount of money I want. I want to be able to pick my spot. I want to set a price. I'm a threat to go back to school. And like most college guys, maybe he's got a spot. If there is one, I would guess Cincinnati in the comp round are rumored to be shopping for overslot targets. They typically go heavy in Florida. It's where their scouting director lives. Like I wouldn't rule that out, uh, but it could just be playing hardball because he thinks he has like the chips on his side to play hardball. Yeah, and, and you know there are a lot of fans around here who are like, hey, maybe the Tigers at thirty two or thirty nine, and, and I know we've already discussed that. Like, we don't even know what the hell's going on. Yeah, we don't know what's going on in the top five, but but I'm just kind of curious if you have any sort of thoughts about who the Tigers might target back there. You know, I remember a couple of years ago, I think it was you, maybe it was Eric, but it was probably you that saw Alavila at a Parker Meadows game and was like, all right, that's probably who they're going to take here in the second round. Uh, I feel like, I feel like that might be more, more difficult this year. Cause you got an extra year and it seems like everybody's just at every game. Cause there's nothing else to do. So I, I don't know uh, if you got any Intel there. The only non like options at three that I've heard Al scouting specifically is Alex Mooney. Um, who also was like, you know, local enough that mm-hmm. it's like when a GM's in spring training in Florida and is seen at a game and I'll mention to somebody, they'll be like, well, I mean, it was 10 minutes from the field. You want him not to go? Like, that doesn't mean anything. It usually doesn't mean anything. Because right. you'll just be like, I want a game tonight. This one's 10 minutes away. All right, I'll go see Nick Gordon, even though we're picking 14th overall. It's like, it doesn't mean he's trying to, like, conspiracy theory float him to 14. It's just like, I just, you know, I want to go to a game, and that's the game. Uh, and I actually sat next to a GM at a game who, like, I was sitting there. He came in and sat down next to me and goes, well, this is going to be on Twitter, isn't it? And I was like... I mean, it was you know, I was going to draft the guy, and I was like, I know you're not going to draft this guy. I'm like, I'm guessing you were 15 minutes away, and he was like, Yeah, I was 15 minutes away. I'm like, then it's not going to go on Twitter. And he was like, Thank you. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Mooney's the only guy that I uh, that I've you know heard them connected to in terms of like you know scouting with Al, which I'm not even sure really counts as connected to. Um, and then yeah, everyone else is just picking up at the top. So it's really just sort of paint by numbers, like who are the kind of guys that they take. And this isn't going to shock you. I'm looking at my second screen here. Uh, I've gotten tied to a bunch of power arms and SEC guys uh, and, and maybe a couple overslot tools upside high school guys. Uh, oh. So, yeah, I'd love to say I have a huge insight here or something's going to drop on Friday. It's going to blow your mind. But uh, so far, I don't have the answer. No, that's fine. That's fine. I just, you know, we feel like we got to ask it. Um, well, sometimes I have that. So it's, it's fair yeah. to ask. And this, so far, I don't think I have it. <laughs> well, and, and, and Raj, I know you wanted to ask about Alex Mooney. Yeah, and Mooney and also the Big Ten Player of the Year in uh, Spencer um, – uh, Swallenbach, who is from Saginaw, who's from who was went to Nebraska, obviously from local kid, and it looks like he might is, is he going to be a top fifty, top one hundred guy to go? Because I mean, he could pitch. He just started pitching, I believe, la- or yeah, within the last few years, he started get, becoming a pretty decent closer for Nebraska. And, and of course, Nebraska, it's good to see that the Big Ten have a, a balance of schools like that. But I curiosity, where do you see him going? So Mooney, I think, is second round or second round money later in the draft overpay. Uh, he's 19 on draft day, would be sophomore eligible if he went to school. There's a little bit – I think everyone kind of agrees, like, good athlete, has some power, can play short. Uh, swing is sort of geared for power. I don't think everyone loves the swing, and I don't think there's, like, that sort of, like, six-hit, six-power upside. So it's sort of like if you think you can work with the swing, if you like the kid, if you sold on the makeup – then you'll be one of, you know, five or six teams that are like really bidding at that price. But yeah, I would say second round is an expectation, whether it's, you know, money or pick makes sense for him. Schwellenbach is actually super interesting. Um, so he's probably, I would say second or third round as a shortstop only. Uh, obviously huge arm, could probably stick at the position, pretty good athlete. Uh, I've had some teams tell me his in-zone contact rate is like 97%. I mean, this was like a month ago, so it's wow. might be slightly different. But it's like the contact rate is fantastic. If you can look at his numbers, they're just okay. 
which tells you it's like, oh, he's got back control, but he's chasing out of the zone or making weak contact or whatever it is. But like the the contact skill is there and like the athlete and shortstop skill is there. So you got that going for you. But, you know, it's hard to get above like 50th overall when you're like, eh, we're not really sure what it is with the bat. Although I think some teams probably see him as like top, you know, 35 to 50 as a position player. But that's sort of a fringe opinion. As a pitcher, it's like a little more consensus. Where, as, as, as I understand it, he had not pitched since high school until this year, That's right. and he started closing, and it was going well enough that some teams were like, "I think this guy could start." If you look at the delivery, the athleticism, how clean it comes out, you know, arms got limited miles. Like the stuff is like arguably two pluses, maybe two pluses and a fifty-five. Like throw strikes, like the components are there, and like some teams are like, "We think this guy can move quickly as a reliever. We think this guy might be able to start." This is like a fringe first rounder. But it's what I didn't even look at. It's probably like 20 innings. Uh, so it's like you got almost nothing to go off of. You don't even like he hasn't even thrown enough innings that you're positive he can continue throwing 95 and not just blow out like some guys do when it's like new velocity. You're going to find out if the UCL can hold it. Sometimes it can't. We don't even have that much of a sample. Uh, and then there's also like some sort of injury stuff in the past that like some teams, you know, take to mean a little more than others do. So he's interesting in that it is maybe late second, early third as a position player, maybe late first, early second as a pitcher. He's open to doing both, but then there's some sample size sort of like injury things that may or may not mean something that then make it like a little tricky to pin him down. And in this class specifically, we have Bubba Chandler in the middle of the first round that could go either way. Uh, we have Carson Williams, who probably is like late first comp round that will be a hitter, but should be open to pitching. Uh, and then we have a couple other guys that are like, you know, sort of notable both ways that might be high school guys that go to college, but it's like an unusual amount of those guys this year, especially in light of all the, you know, Otani, Brendan McKay, like all the guys that sort of popped up in the last couple of years. Like now we've got an unprecedented number of them in this draft class. Yeah. I was just looking at these 31 and two thirds innings this year for Schwellenbach, but yeah, the point obviously yeah. remains. That's not a whole lot. To, to well, and Jake Miller in the same bucket as like, they haven't really proven anything, but they show you all the parts but they're also 21 and haven't proven anything. Why don't you just take the 18 year old, you know, Ben Kaderna that also hasn't proven anything, but like is a more moldable ball of clay and like, hasn't had the sort of failure of not pitching at ages 19 and 20. Um, so like, you know, that's the way most teams look at it. I think if you have a meeting and want to pound the table for Schwellenbach, then you'll make an excuse and you'll take him, but it's not, you know, it's a handful of teams that would do that as opposed to the high school guy. You feel a little better about, especially at a second or third pick. Cause obviously some teams are just terrified of high school guys. I, I see the Indians doing that, Chris. You know, like they, the, the Indians, Kylie, they, for whatever reason, they just take a pitcher and they'll just find a way to develop it. I could see them doing that with him and, and somehow making him into a, a, a above average starter based off the way they, their player development is with pitching. But that's just. They, they also love contact rate middle infielders, so they could see oh. if they're getting two different prospects. Because, I mean, we see like the Rays and the Angels, like not a surprise, are both the teams you see at these mm-hmm. cool, uh, both way. High school guys, like I'll go to those games. There'll be three scouting directors, and it'll be like Tampa Bay and the Angels. will be two of the three, and it's like, I mean, they know they have like Otani and McKay, and, and they had Cronenworth, they have Tanner Dodson, but it's like they also just value that more than other teams. Uh, and then yeah, Cleveland, if it's like both their kind of pitcher and their kind of hitter, then they probably value that guy more than most teams would as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, Kylie, that's basically all I have for you. I, I did want to ask one more question. I, I do sympathize with your. Uh your plight of having to repeat the same thing over and over again. I, I imagine that's what politicians feel like going from like, it's you know, city to city. I don't want to be like discovering something about Brady well, Council on TV. That seems like a bad time to realize. No, he actually oh. has the highest upside. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was kind of, this may be hard for you to measure because you're obviously working on your own list, but I, I'm kind of curious if there's one player you think might go higher than people generally expect and one who might go lower than people generally expect. 
Ooh, see now this isn't just higher than I expect or higher than my rankings have. It's higher than people expect. So now I have to. I have to yeah, I would say that's. I mean, you, you could do it any way you want. I mean, that's the part that I know it's hard for for you to under like you've been working on this yourself for so long. It's hard for you to know what other people are thinking. Yeah. Exactly. You could so. tell me here are three things people believe, and I'll be like, one of those is wild, dude. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, so one I think is interesting, like most MBA used to do this all the time, like most intriguing background, which I always kind of roll my eyes at. Like I'm not reading that. I'm reading this for tools, not background. And you read the background, yeah. you're like, yeah, that's interesting. Oh, his dad owns uh, Domino's? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I think Will Taylor, I mean, I mentioned Bubba Chandler, who's committed to play quarterback at Clemson, who's also a switch hitting shortstop and right-handed pitcher, which is like, okay, we get it. Like, Big man on campus. Uh, Will Taylor is state champion wrestler, state champion quarterback, mid to upper first round center fielder, committed to play slot receiver, quarterback, and center field at Clemson. And it's like, okay, we get it. Athletic. Stopped a couple sports earlier than that. So I have him rated. Let's see. The rankings go up tomorrow. Uh, I have him ninth. I don't think anybody else has him that high. I've seen him in some mocks that I. I definitely don't read them all, but I like sort of casually check in and kind of see what's out there. I see him going in the twenties and thirties in some of these, which I'm just like, he's not going there. Um, mm-hmm. Or if he does, it's for like top 10 money, uh, which I don't think people are projecting. Um, but I think there's a real shot. He goes ninth. Uh, and I'd say just behind that. I think maybe the, the, the public conception of him isn't, hasn't quite caught up yet. Um, I would also say another one that even I was late to as well, so I'm not really taking people to task on this one. Uh, Trey Sweeney might go in the top 20. <laughs> and if you would have told me that like two months ago, I would be like, who? Uh, and now I'm like, oh, he's got interest here, here, and here, and like doing the whole like, oh, you know, I had this guy the whole time. Uh, but he's uh, either left-handed or switch, actually. All the video I've seen of him is left-handed, so I think he's left-handed. Uh, at Eastern yeah. Illinois, and it's like 6'3", 6'4", 200 pounds, can probably stick it short, high leg kick, just like, as you would imagine, Eastern Illinois, bonkers numbers, but he hasn't really faced anybody. And I've been, like, hearing that he's having, like, private workouts, like, for teams around 20, and it's just, like, blowing them out all out of the water. Um, so that's another guy that I think is going to go pretty high. And then another guy that I've been, I think, following pretty closely, Frank Mazzucato, the lefty out of Connecticut. Uh, it sounds like is like what a bunch of, like, very high-level scouts would, if you said, imagine your perfect lefty, they would just imagine Frank Mazzucato. Uh, because like he had been scouted like maybe five starts he had scouts at, and I'm getting calls like this guy's going in the first round, and I'm like again, excuse me, what's his name again? And I'm like typing, and I'm like, where where is he? Okay, Connecticut, interesting. Um, and then I was getting texts from from the guys that work at ESPN like, hey, my kid just faced this guy. He said he's throwing three perfect games in this month. <laughs> and I'm like, it turns out it is. Yeah. Uh, but he's like super athletic lefty, might high spin, maybe seventy grade curveball, uh, sits low nineties, hits ninety four. Uh, pretty good change-up, competitor athlete, like checks all those boxes. But it, again, it's like super short track record, sort of reminiscent of Blake Walston a couple years back at North Carolina, who is probably now a top 100 prospect. So I think people are looking at that trajectory saying that's where this guy's going. But it's like there's interest in like the middle of the first round on this guy, like maybe as the second high school pitcher off the board. And I did not know his name three months ago, which is wild. Yeah. That's a, those are always fun. That's like the uh, you know finding the the guy playing in the backwoods or something like that. Like oh man, Tone Ash. Yeah, like a Catholic high school in Connecticut. Like usually yeah. not where you find a bunch of mid first round picks, but in this case you did. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I know. Uh, I mean, the drafts are here coming Sunday. I, I imagine you've got a lot of stuff coming out in the next couple of days. And what, what do you want to yep, mention? So- Thursday, we've got the top 200, which I think effectively is like a 242. Because I was like, oh, let me throw in a couple names because I locked it a couple days ago. And then I was like, oh, I got a couple more. And then it was like, well, if I got those, I got these. And it's just like, <laughs> okay, I got to stop myself at some point. So 200 plus. Uh, and then I, I don't know if you guys saw right before we started, I tweeted out a couple videos from uh, 
through pitch AI. Uh, that looks super cool. Yeah. yeah they're basically for people that aren't looking at, you can find on my Twitter at Kylie McD. Uh, we've got 17 of them. I just thought tweeting out 17 of them would be annoying, but I don't know. Maybe people want those. We're going to use them in the broadcast. Uh, but it's basically like takes the slow-mo 960 frames per second video I have from the open side of pitchers and sort of superimposes the uh, stick figure over them. And then basically uses those like projected, points which end up being correct so i guess they're not projected of like this is the uh you know elbow load and this is the torque on his elbow and this is the flexibility of his shoulder and stride length and all these interesting things and the funny thing was uh, one of the guys that i tweeted out the video of i was on the phone with his agent when they sent them me the videos and i was looking at them and i read him one of the figures and he goes that's funny you say that because that that number you just quoted which says he's very good at blank uh he was like he was in a private workout yesterday and the team told him that like verbatim and I was like, oh, uh, you know, that kind of checks out, doesn't it? Maybe we should use nice. this. Uh, so we're getting like Walker Bueller's video. We're going to put side by side with uh, Jack Leiter on the broadcast and, you know, other things like that. Uh, we got a mock coming Friday. It'll be two full rounds. So I think it's 72 picks or something. I always do this wow. to myself. Uh, and Sunday will be the means <laughs> only update. Uh, I don't know how many. I might go 72 on that one, too. I don't know. Uh, and then after the first day, we'll do, um, you know, sort of day one winners and losers and best available day two and whatever. And then. Because MLB is scheduled as such, I'll probably be watching the Home Run Derby in a bar and checking my phone to see who got drafted that day because I'll, I'll want to not pay attention to it at that point. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, man, it's it's a crazy time of year. And I, I can't imagine like the Futures game and the draft the same day is just it's bonkers for prospect people. So, uh, yeah, yeah, bonkers is a good word for it. Because uh, <laughs> I thought it was me. I'm like, oh, there's like 15 of us in the world that are like, you know, would be there. I'm going to be sitting uh, like watching the Futures game on a monitor two blocks from the stadium. Cause there's not enough time between the events for me to like go change and come back. And I'm like, this, this is terrible. And then you talk to agents and they're like, this is terrible. Cause this is like too big. For my <laughs> so I was like, okay, so you don't like it either. And then like mentioned to a GM and he was just like, yeah, I'm trying to prepare for the trade deadline and I have to be doing the draft two weeks before that seems stupid. Right. I was like, Oh, so you hate it too. Okay. Yeah. We'll give our listeners who are like, Are you guys going to work all day Sunday? You know, I'll, you know, this is a podcast and it's like, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, I forgot about the futures game, and then we got the draft. Oh, five hours of podcasting. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a sporgy. It's like I have, a, I have some soccer podcast I listen to where, like, oh, we'll do it after each game of the Euros, and it turns out there's like 47 games, and I'm like, you're <laughs> <laughs> like, dial it down. Like, every five games, check in and tell us what you saw. Yeah. Oh, and also, if, if anyone watching this happens to be in Denver, I'm going to do a, uh, a book signing on Saturday at the Tattered oh. something. It's like across the street from the Coors Field. So, It'll, it'll be there. Uh, we have our rehearsal at the same time, so I might be in and out. But I'll be there at some point with a with with a sharpie and an eager state of mind. Very cool. Yeah, uh, thank you so much. I, I know, like uh, we say, we, we took you for a little bit longer than we said we would, but uh, it's really good information. And I know you're super busy, but we appreciate you spending some time with us. And uh, we'll be looking forward. To to, the, I was trying to find the book because I have his book, oh, and I oh. couldn't find it among my all my baseball books. Oh, yeah, it, so. check the bathroom. It stands out because of the colors. I like that when they showed me the color. It's like, oh, it's green and yellow. I'm like, I don't see a lot of green and yellow books in my bookcase. There's actually one right, ooh, right there by my head. See, jumps yeah. right out. It's right there. Or, yeah. No, that's my uh, it's in over till it's over book, but still, nevertheless, it's somewhere around here. I know I have it for a fact. So, so. Yeah, and then the other funny part, which I'll just move my computer real quick, right. is uh, my wife took all the other ones and put them down there. Ah, very ah. good. Next to the dog toys. <laughs> Place of honor. <laughs> it's good. It's like you, you've Real got a book. If you knock on my door, I will give you one. <laughs> Outstanding. Yeah, but, but don't. Just <laughs> <laughs> all right kylie yeah thanks again man i appreciate it and uh yeah good luck getting through this week and uh yeah. we look forward to, uh, to reading all your work thanks man i'll be powered on coffee and cuddles with my dog <laughs> all right sounds good